Campbell, founder and uh, CEO of Kimia and Kimia Research. And I'm passionate about helping pharmaceutical sales force to feel confident about using technology to improve the quality of the interactions with healthcare professionals. I'm really passionate and curious about the human side of the digital transformation. And uh, to explore that topic further, I've been interviewing inspiring pharma leaders to learn from them and share their experience with um, others. So I'm delighted to welcome Frank Armanante from Nova Nordisk today. Hi, Frank, it's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. No, it's my pleasure. But let me tell you a little bit about Frank. Frank Armanente spent 25 years in pharmaceutical industry and 15 of that has been with Novo Nordisk. So he's very loyal to Novo Nordisk. And he's a man who seems to find the right balance between being a dad, being a coach, being a member of his community, but also lead corporate um, responsibility within the pharmaceutical industry. But also he's got a strong understanding of information system, IT, and anything that supports the sales force. So I think he's in the right place to support Novo Nordisk, but also it's great to have you here to tap into your insight, Frank. I was at Reuters event in Philadelphia in March this year, and Frank really grabbed my attention because he told a great story. I mean, everybody's talking about telling a good story, but not many people can actually do it. When he was telling the story about the work they have done in diabetes and obesity franchise, he actually talked about a patient. He just took me, I felt emotional listening to him and great storytellers change the emotion you feel when you listen to them. So with that, I'm so excited to have you here, Frank, and I can't wait to ask you about you and what you're doing in terms of digital transformation. So Frank, tell me, what made you chose this career? And also, how have you seen the industry change in that time? My best friend was working at Bristol-Myers Squibb, and he needed someone to come and help him on a project where they were going to be um, bringing in graduate students to learn about the industry. So he wanted someone to come and help. And, uh, and I was hooked once I got in. I, I really enjoyed the industry. I enjoyed the people that I was talking with and working. So um, jumped on through a temporary agency. And my, my first role in pharma was as a, uh, an administrative assistant. And um, wow. it was it was awesome. I was on the working with the marketing team and I learned so much from the grassroots. And, and I've always taken that kind of approach with anything I've done in my life is learn from, from, from the, uh, the foundation and then work your way up to understanding some of the bigger things. So maybe a little unorthodox approach, but um, it worked and it worked great. That's super. Thank you for sharing that story. I actually value so much about administrative staff. Don't underestimate the power and influence of administrative staff because they know what's going on and who to talk to to make things happen. So That's right. The communicative um, structure of how all the admins work and understand, um, I don't think people respect it as much. It's really good. And people, to your point, they know the inner workings of everything. And um, yeah. So you've had an interesting entry to the business and you've seen things change over the last few years. How your leadership styles has evolved. I'm really curious to know more about your leadership style, Frank. Well, I think I think in the beginning, um, it was a lot of learning. Right. It's hard to it's hard to lead something unless you really understand how the intricacies, intricacies work of, of an organization. Mm -hmm. So um, 
when when I came into the organization, it was I guess you could say more of like like that was in in the late '90s, and mm -hmm. um, it was more of like classical phar pharma, right? Where you had your feet on the street, and and there were not a lot of things out there. We didn't have cell phones the way we have them now. Even personal mm -hmm. computers were very limited. Email was was limited. So there was it was a lot more um, rudimentary uh, and and simpler maybe is the better way of of how we did things. Where, my God, the amount of information at your hands nowadays is it it can be a, a very powerful weapon as a as a as a employee for any company, um, but it could also be very like confusing because there's so many things to draw on. Yeah. And so I think I think as time went on and I began to learn more and more of the industry and how it works. I, I could speak much more confidently in, in what my understanding was. And so when you can speak confidently, no matter whether whether as a leader, you're leading people or you're leading a process or you're mm -hmm. leading a, uh, a change in how the organizations work, um, it comes a lot more naturally. And then you also have to be willing to accept that you're not always going to make the right decision. Um, you are going to make mistakes. Uh, the question is, how quickly can you learn from them and mm -hmm. realizing that like a mistake just means that that's maybe that's one door closed, but at least three or four open as a result of that. And then as as I've gotten a little bit older and a little bit more experienced, one of my my favorite things to do now is how can I pass that on to others? How can I take my knowledge and the things I've learned and be able to share that with with more junior people that are in the organization and help them instead of making 10 mistakes like I might have done, maybe they make eight because I give them some advice. Um, it's also a lot of how I kind of raise my my children is that I take the same, my leadership style and work and my leadership style with my family is very similar. It keeps my head straight. I can just yeah. do the same thing in each way, um, but it's never never in like a condescending, more in a, hey, I'm, I'm here to be a partner and help you to get better at what you're doing. And so far it's worked pretty well. I, I, mm -hmm. I try to mentor as much as I can and it, it makes me better at my decisions as well, getting a diversity of experiences from people. I love that. I'm so glad you brought the topic of making mistakes because I think traditionally our industry has been quite risk reverse. Uh, making mistakes was seen as a taboo that you should avoid and perfectionism was kind of like the go-to motto. And I think now with the digital transformation and the pace of change, making mistakes is a natural way of learning. And it's, it's really good that you value that culture of learning, you know, and you passing your experience to others, hopefully they make new mistakes because that's mm -hmm. the only way we're going to evolve and innovate. And I try to be intentional with not only my own time, but even my team's time. I encourage them, set aside some time to experiment, set aside some time to try things that you may not have ever tried. And, and realize that that time, you know, even if you do one out of 10 things, you hit a home run. Wow, what a great opportunity because you would have never hit any of those home runs if you didn't take any time to kind of toy around and, and try new things and, and go outside of the box. Yeah, you may fail nine out of 10 times, but it's that one time that can make a big difference toward the organization. It can make a big difference in the way that people are working. Definitely. I think, Frank, people don't believe it. Even if you say, go and make mistake, they don't believe it because they don't know okay, maybe they're just saying it, but there might be bad co consequences. They only believe it when they make a mistake and they see that we see that as a learning opportunity. Let me bring you to um, kind of the talk you did in Reuters. You talked about the human side of digital transformation. And I really like that because, you know, everybody was talking about the techie side of things, but you talked about the humans. And I'm just really 
like you to hear more about your views on this and what do you see as opportunities for the human side of the digital transformation, Frank? Yeah, so I, I think that when you're looking at digital transformation and what that means and using technology and leveraging new things to do your 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 business it's it's a lot about how, knowing what your end goal is right and, and and for our organization it's it's um we are we are a diabetes company but we're focused on the patient you know we've always said that if we could defeat diabetes 100% that would be our the ultimate goal, and we'll just go find another disease state to work on. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's where where it starts. Like when you're in in the pharmaceutical diabetes healthcare is the patient is the person that starts with where your mission is. And you'll hear all of our leaders here. They they'll probably mention the word patient more than anything. So you start mm -hmm. there. So if you have if you have that human being in this in in the back of your mind as how do I make how do I help make their lives better whether it's um, you know, giving them more time to live in a state where they're not worried so much about the disease that they may have, but they're more worried about enjoying their life. I think that that can be um, an amazing place to be. And as a sales, you know, being close to the sales organization, our job is to have great products or hopefully great products that we're mm -hmm. putting in the hands of, of patients to help their lives be better. And so when you, when you think about that, that's that's a classic sales type of approach to things, but but we've we've seen technology, you know, invade in a positive way every aspect of our lives, and when you look at where where our industry is right now, it becomes a very important part of it. Right, we use things like customer relationship management software to help us manage all of the interactions with with people who we're working with. We use our iPhones and our computers to help us be more effective with our with our days. We use iPads and things like mm -hmm. that to show visual representations of what we're trying to talk about. And I think that what it what it means is that you have to prepare the human to be able to use these mechanical and digital pieces to help them be more effective. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's making you um, it's enhancing the conversation. Maybe it's optimizing the way you do things, right? It could be as simple as saying, go make this call against this person instead of this person, because today uh, the system knows that they're going to be in the office and it's going to be, you're going to have a better chance of getting that interaction. And I think that what you have to do is plug, it's like three parts. The patient is the person, the salesperson is a person, and then the, the, the way they do it is the technology and the digital aspect of things. And when you keep that in mind, you create a nice balance of being able to leverage that and having a really good interaction. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not, it starts with the conversation, whether it's the doctor to the patient, whether it's, whether it's me as a salesperson to the doctor, but then I've got all these amazing things that I can use at my disposal to make that interaction more um, positive and, mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, and a good experience. I think I told you before, and I, I've probably used this example quite a few times. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a Yankees fan. <laughs> and the Yankees had some pretty re uh, uh, good heyday back in from 1996 through, through, to, through 2000. And their coach at the time was Joe Torre, old school baseball player, went by his gut, went by all the things he knew, made great decisions on the people, right? He treated his people like, like human beings and, and called them nicknames and all these great things and created a culture there. But he always had Joe Girardi sitting next to him with a computer, helping him make smart decisions based mm -hmm. on the fact that 
he couldn't always make it on his gut. And I think when you when you use that analogy, and it's 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 become so ubiquitous in the way that we do things right now in in our in our world, you create a better person, right? And, and an enhanced person to being able to meld technology and digital with, with the human gut and the instincts mm -hmm. that we have. Um, or, or it's the physician who's trying to say, I'm trying to be better with my patients. I want to be able to give them as much information. I need a good sales representative who can walk in here, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, but also has the digital means. Or, hey, maybe it's six o'clock at night. They're halfway across the state. They can call me up on their computer. We can have a digital inter, uh, conversation. It can be almost as good as having a face-to-face -face conversation. Um, and I think that's where we are now as an industry. I think the companies that are that are that are leveraging both sides of this equation are the ones that are bringing um, great value to customers and, and patients alike. That's really good roundup because I think before pandemic everything was face-to-face. Then after the pandemic, kind of the pendulum swung, everything became online. And now I think it's kind of like going back, having a right balance, depending on the individual's preferences. And I really like the way you're not being a slave to technology. And you kind of like thinking we need to give the tools to the operator, the sales professional, so they can have that conversation and have that impact. So, you know, you put the emphasis on the right outcomes and also the people. And I really like that. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be the balance of using the right tool, right channel for the right situation and, you know, what people are comfortable. But you've done really well in Nova Nordisk in terms of a ranking from the view of the healthcare professionals perspective. So you must be doing a lot of things right. But I'm just curious, what have you done to enable your sales force so they can feel confident? Because let's face it, I joined the industry in 1992. We didn't have computers. Sales professionals are generally have that gut feeling, that intuition that you talk about. They're great communicators, but they're not really like attracted towards, you know, shiny things because they chose a career where involved majority of it interacting and meeting people. Mm -hmm. So how have you bridged that gap to enable your team so they feel more comfortable using various channels? And um, so the iPad becomes an extension of their arm now, as we say it. You know, I think, I think the industry in general, and, and, and Nova Norsk fits right in with this, is that we're definitely at a place where there are so many things as a sales professional that you can use to enhance your interactions and to ultimately get product into a patient's hands that it can be overwhelming. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've heard people say that, like, we don't need any more tools. We, we're, we're good, right? <laughs> so I think where we are with the industry right now is to figure out what's the right tool at the right time that can maximize the experience. And I think we're playing around and experimenting with figuring this out right now. And I think some of the things that we put in our people's hands, and I, I, I think of it as like, you can use all kinds of analogies, but it's like the tool belt, right? You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to go after um, a nail with a screwdriver and you're not going to go after a screw with a hammer, right? You have to have the right tool for the right time. I think we've given people um, great opportunities when it comes to, say, customer relationship management, helping them synthesize a lot of information. Humans are really good at figuring out problems and, mm -hmm. and coming up with solutions but sometimes when you've got a lot of information that's, that's at your disposal, the question is, how do you synthesize that to turn um, data 
to information to then insight to action. And I think that that's where we are right now is trying to help the brain assimilate all these things. Do I use my computer? Do I use my iPad? Do I use my phone? Do I use this system? Do I use that system? Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're, we're starting to get better at, at helping a salesperson be able to do that. I think prior to, to, um, to the pandemic, we, we, we dabbled in like distance kind of conversations and sharing information, right? Tur turning us into this digital conversation. I think um, Novo, we definitely acted very quickly. As soon as we realized that kind of the world was, was closing in, we mm -hmm. acted to say, how do we take advantage of, of the, the, the systems that are out there to continue to create a conduit of communication with our customers? And I think that that got the sales force to be pretty adept in a very short period of time. Since then, it's kind of gone the other way. And it's been something I've been raising my hands to folks to say, don't forget how you use this to help you with your conversations, because mm -hmm. those skills will erode very quickly. And I think that that's where, and I think about where my role is now in the organization is a lot of the tools that the field uses come from, from where from my, my organization is. So I need to make those tools as efficient as possible and make them simple to understand and, and know that, that, that the more that they use them, the more that they can be effective and the better that they can get from a standpoint of working with their customer. That makes a lot of sense to me. So I, my question is, do you, from a field force effectiveness perspective, evaluate to see what are the most effective tools, or do you give the freedom to the individual sales professional to decide what tools they want to use and they're more confident with? How do you see it, Frank? I think the individual needs to look at their tools and make a decision, right? One tool may be working really well for one person, another person may not care for it. And then we have to also, as, as, as being a part of you know, field force effectiveness, field ops, we have to ask good questions. We have to spend the time, like my customer is the field representative. I need to understand, well, are you using that? Well, if you're not using it, why? Is it because it doesn't work, it's busted? Or is it mm -hmm. because I haven't done a good enough job of helping you understand how you can leverage this? And so that's my responsibility, my team's responsibility to help them understand, here's why you're gonna use this tool. Here's how to effectively use it. And I think that that then inspires the representative or the salesperson to say, okay, now I can make my own decision, how I'm gonna use it, how often I'm gonna use it. So it's definitely a little bit of both. It's not just giving them insight and guidance on what to use. They have to make the decision from their own experience. And then we have to talk together. Definitely. I think what I've noticed that is really refreshing about your leadership style in Nova is that you seeing the sales professionals as your customers. I, I think once you have that approach of seeing the sales professionals as your customers and really listening to the feedback, like you said, if it's not working, is it bust or is it something wrong with it? I think that's a really healthy um, way of evolving and coming up with tools that they're going to love to use because you've got their input uh, in developing them. And then it creates trust. Trust is key, right? So if having been on the field sales side and having been on the operations side, I can mm -hmm. speak both languages. A lot of mm -hmm. my team can do the same thing. So now you have good perspective, right? And, yeah. and, and then you also have to remember that the world changes and we've seen it so fast. Mm -hmm. So unless you're engaging with your customer, in our case, the field sales force on a regular basis, you're gonna miss out those key moments when something changed, mm -hmm. something's different. And you have to be talking to them on a regular basis. We do a lot of um, um, field expert teams, right? People that we talk to on a monthly basis, getting perspective. 
-hmm. we, we do a lot of proof of concepts and piloting, right? We're like, you know what, we're gonna take a shot. And we tell them, yeah. we're taking a shot. We have no idea if this is gonna work. And a yeah. lot of times they'll be like, you know what, it works, but you gotta tweak this and change this and eliminate this. And then we take that feedback, we make the changes, we hand it back to them and they're like, perfect, works great, let's do it. And I think that that's where you you it's mutually beneficial, right? And I also always encourage my team, I say, get out there in the field, go ride with them, go spend some time with them, go see how the system that you work with supports them and how it works or it doesn't work. And I, I, it's like, it's so funny when people come back into the office after spending a couple of days in the field, they're like dangerous now. Cause they're like, Oh, I get it. I see it. Right. You know, but that inspires creativity that inspires innovation it inspires people to then say, we need to change this. I watched the way this works. It doesn't work or it could work better. That is fantastic. You're acting on the feedback and tweaking it. So yeah. they're going to feel trust because they say, these guys not only listen to me, they acted on my advice. And it's like giving somebody a tailor-made suit. It's fitting their body perfectly. It's not picking it off the peg saying, go and just wear this. Everybody has to wear this. So that's amazing. You are doing something really well because, you know, the report showed Novo is sitting on the top of the ranking, but there's still quite a room for improvement. Nobody's excellent. And you are on top, but to stay on top is actually harder because you need to keep innovating and moving forward. So how do you plan to keep ahead? I think there's three things that, that we need to, need to do. And I think the first one is I'm a big fan of looking at and seeing how the industry is trending and what's working, right? Sometimes you'll get a key uh, insight from, hey, this company over here is trying something a little bit different. Hmm, let me pay attention to that. That might be something that works but also looking outside of the industry, right? I try to look at other ways that, that, that other type of companies that are working, whether it's technology companies and what they're doing to be innovative and, and connecting, whether it's um, car companies, right? Look, mm -hmm. at, look at how much they've changed in the last 15 years, especially here in America. How are they thinking about things? And, and I think that ultimately a lot of that piece of understanding the industry is listening to your customers. You have to do a good job of listening to your customers and hearing what they're saying. So that would be the first thing. The other thing is um, because things move so quickly, you've got to find where the next thing is, right? That next it thing. And I'll, I'll tell you my secret. And it's for some people it works. For some people, they'll think I'm crazy. I watch my kids a lot at what they're doing and how they're interacting with the world. Mm -hmm. And I see the way that they do things. And, and, and then my observation is a lot of those things then become parts of our industry and other industries five or six years from now. And I'm like, wow, what if we could shrink that gap, see something that's working really well, and then actually apply it to what we're doing here right now, you mm -hmm. know, by, by maybe if I could shrink that by two or three years, wow, then we get the benefit of that. So I pay attention to a lot of things there and then experiment. So that would be the second thing is, is watching what the youth of today are doing because they're, they're on that cutting edge. And then the, the, the last part would be um, always looking at the things that we've put out there. If we've got a really cool digital website for patients, et cetera, never accepting that as, as we did it, it's done. Always accepting it as right now we did it, right now it's done. How do we make it better? How do we innovate on that? How do we, how do we, how do we constantly improve? And I, for me, I call that last part, right. Of the three things I shared, that's like mm -hmm. relentless innovation, 
You never stop adding to things and making things better and tweaking it and then eliminating things that, that aren't needed anymore, right? That's fantastic. I took a note. Listen, watch the youth and see what they're doing. And the yep. third thing is continuous improvement. Look at seeing even if you're at top, see how you can improve that and innovate on it. Uh, Frank, I'm so um, curious about what you do when you're not at work. Uh, I know you do science fiction writing, mm -hmm. so I'm so curious. Tell me more about that. And how do you bring, bring your creative side uh, to kind of like work life? So as a boy, um, I was always a, an avid reader and my mm -hmm. biggest thing was comic books. And I used to, especially during the summertime when we were in school, I'd sit outside of my dad's office in a big shade tree and I would just read and read and read. And I think that that, that became a part of like who I am. I love mm -hmm. fantasy. I love science fiction. I love comic books. I love fiction in general. Um, and so that taught me when, when you read those type of things, there's so much new things and innovative and these outlandish things that they become reality 15, 20 years later. So I, I love to keep abreast of, of what the creative aspect of things are. And, 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 then, and then writing allows you to be a good communicator. Um, as a writer, you're, you're speaking to other people. So the only way you get better is you're also listening. How are, my, how are the people that are reading these things reacting to things? I'm also an athlete, so I've learned a lot from that standpoint of things. I was in, in, in high school, um, and then now I do uh, I dabble in coaching. Uh, I coach mm -hmm. my kids as much as I can. Um, and I think that, that when you think about sports and the way that that's changed, there's so many lessons that you can learn from that, lessons of failure, right? In sports, mm -hmm. most, most of the time we fail, right? Think, yeah. think about baseball, right? These guys, they're, they're heroes if they hit a 300 average. That means they, they, they make an out 70% of the time. So I think that if you think about sports, if most of the time you're failing, that just teaches you how to get better. And so I use that in, in the, way I, I, the way that I look at business. Um, and then um, I'm, I'm very involved with um, the community. I've been involved for, for many years now with our local school board, and I learn a ton from that. And I take some lessons that I learned from that, and I think about how I can apply it uh, in, the, in, in my, in my workday. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I think that that, if you take all of that and you blend it together, it's this constant um, just realization that there's so many creative things out there. And then that gets me when I do my job and people here say I'm nuts because I've always got new ideas and things I want to try. I think it allows me to be who I am. And then I just ask myself, how can I apply this in my work life? And how can I make this make myself be the best employee that I possibly can? Um, so, yeah, you know, and. I love so, the way you wear different hats in your life as a dad, as a coach, as yeah. a member of the community, um, as a science fiction comic writer and your corporate world. And you see what are the transferable skills. Different hats, same face. You get the same face whether <laughs> yeah. I'm at home, whether I'm at school, whether I'm at work, whether I'm coaching. It's the same face, but you're right. Different hats and different hats. It works yeah. fine. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to tap into your insight. Um, you've got so much to offer and I wish we could you know, extend and talk to you longer and I'll continue talking to you and tap into your uh, knowledge. But I was going to say, if I was going to ask you for one tip for other leaders within the pharmaceutical industry uh, that you would advise them about how to kind of like harness this human side of digital transformation, what would your advice be to them? 
it's hard to give one tip. So I'll give you one tip with three things. Is that fair? Okay. Go okay. for it. <laughs> be yourself. Always be yourself. Two, listen more than you talk. And three, never, ever accept mediocrity to be what is acceptable. Always seek innovation and improvement. So Thank you for that. Well, welcome. with that, uh, wise, the wise words from you, I just want to bring this um, discussion interview to a close. And I just wanted to share to our, with our viewers that uh, Akimia, we are really passionate about innovation. And after the pandemic, we developed an award-winning uh, platform called Kimia Reset, which is fun, engaging, and uh, is a cloud-based training platform that focuses on the human side of the digital transformation helping sales teams to be able to connect emotionally and in a meaningful way with healthcare professionals. Some people describe it as a Netflix of uh, pharmaceutical sales training and it's helped sales professionals across many countries to increase their confidence, um, increase the quality of their virtual calls, whether it's being virtual and also face-to-face and has dramatically increased the quantity of their interaction. You know, practice, practice, practice. We talk about the more you do something, they get, the better you get at it. We are developing some new exciting um, content uh, around effective omnichannel behaviors, around mindset, and also uh, Viva CRM adoption. So if you're looking for solutions to help your team gain confidence and embrace digital tools for healthcare professional engagement, get in touch. I would love to hear from you. Thank you from me and thank you, Frank, for being with me today. It's been amazing to have your input. It's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, anytime you want to talk, I'm ready to talk. Thank you so much. Uh -huh.